Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you're doing well. I say the same thing every morning because it's true every morning. God is on his throne. He never leaves. He never will leave. And nothing touches you. Nothing touches me. Nothing touches anyone that God does not allow. That includes the devil himself. If the devil or his minions are after us, it's because God has allowed it. And he will work it together for good if we love him. God works all things together for good. And many people remember that, but they don't always remember the second half of that verse from St. Paul to the Romans. God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So there... um, God will always work out his purpose for those who love him. Always, always, always. And one of the greatest saints... uh, Hold on. I think the greatest saint that I know um, who helps us to understand that is St. Francis de Sales. And we've been reading from from his book on the Golden Councils. I don't know if you can see that, Golden Councils. Um, This is an old... Uh, uh, publication of it, and it's it's small print, but it 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 um, it was republished in larger print with a color cover. And um, but I have a few copies left, probably a dozen of these uh, older ones, exactly the same, just smaller print. Um, and so I mentioned once before, if any of you would like one, uh, I only have a dozen, so. Uh, when they run out and there's no charge, I just we just happen to have extra. Um, if any any of you would like one, just just let us know with your address and we'll put it in the mail to you. Um, the best way to reach us, by the way, is um, to reach me directly. Uh, you can always email mother at the station of the cross dot com. You can always do that. Uh, for the program outside of the program, if you wanted to reach us, you could uh, reach us through the website Mother of Israel's Hope, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope dot org. Um, actually, the website is just www dot Mother of Israel's Hope dot org, and under the contact button, um, you will see our uh, the best email to reach us. So. Um, but if you reach us through the Station of the Cross, they will forward it to us, no problem. So we have read um, already what St. Francis wrote on peace and on patience, and I'm going to read now what he wrote on confidence. It's truly wonderful, truly wonderful. <clears throat> Hold on a moment. Here we go. All right. It is very good to mistrust... Oh, I did. We read this yesterday. Okay. It's good to mistrust ourselves if our trust is in God. Okay. If our trust is in God. We read that yesterday. And today, on love. 
I love what St. Francis writes. I love. He says, We must try to keep our hearts continually, unshakably serene throughout the vicissitudes of life. Even though everything turns and changes around us, we must ever remain steady, always looking, striving, and aspiring toward God. No matter what course the ship takes, no matter, no matter whether it sails to the east, the west, the north, or south, no matter what winds drive it on, the mariner's needle never points in any direction except toward the pole, the polar star. I love that analogy. No matter what happens in our life, what direction, what, what everything, that our hearts always point toward the polar star, which is Christ. St. Francis says, everything may be topsy-turvy, not only around us, but within us as well. But whether we are sad or happy, full of sweetness or bitterness, at peace or disturbed, filled with light or darkness, troubled or at rest, delighted or disgusted, experiencing aridity or consolation, scorched by the sun or refreshed by the dew, for all that, the fine point of our heart, our spirit, our higher will, which is our compass, must ever look and tend toward the love of God, its creator, its savior, its soul, and sovereign good. What a packed sentence that is. I think he took in just about every circumstance. Shall I read it again? I'll read it again. <clears throat> Whether we, He said, everything may be topsy-turvy, not only around us, but within us as well. And then he says, But whether we are sad or happy, full of sweetness or bitterness, at peace or disturbed, filled with light or darkness, troubled or at rest, delighted or disgusted, experiencing aridity or consolation, scorched by the sun um, or refreshed by the dew, for all that, the fine point of our heart, our spirit, our higher will, which is our compass, must ever look and land toward the love of God, its creator, its savior, its soul and sovereign good. St. Francis goes on, whether we live or whether we die, says the apostle, says the apostle, if we belong to God, if we belong to God, who shall not separate us from the love and charity of God, or rather, who shall separate us from the love and charity of God? Nothing. No, nothing shall ever separate us from this love. Neither trials nor anguish, neither death nor life, neither present sorrow nor fear of future uh, troubles, not the wiles of evil spirits, neither the height of consolation nor the depth of affliction, neither consolation nor dryness must ever separate us from that holy charity, that holy love, which is rooted in Jesus Christ. 
That's the end of Romans chapter 8. That's the whole, it began with the, the, the uh, uh, verse 28 of Romans 8, God works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And he ends with the end of Romans chapter 28, what, who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, anything, no. Powers, the devils, nothing. No one, nothing has the power to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing, beloved. Nothing. Do you know how it happens? Can we be separated from his love? We can. No one will ever be able to separate us, not the devil himself. No one will have that power. We are the only ones that have the power. We have the power to choose. We have the power to choose. To choose God or to choose... um, our will, to choose to do it our way. I always say that Frank Sinatra did not create the words to the song, I'll do it my way. Uh, Adam and Eve did. He just put music to it, right? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Apostle Paul says we're to be living sacrifices, um, holy, uh, given to God, who is our reasonable service of worship. And in the Old Testament, Here's an altar. Can you see that? Here's an altar. That's an altar. Can't do that. And here are sheep, little sheep. And we are to give ourselves a living sacrifice. We need to be slain as a sacrifice on the altar. The Old Testament sacrifices were dead, but we are New Testament sacrifices, and so we are living. And the problem with living sacrifices is that they have a tendency to crawl off the altar. You see? Because they're living. But we can't crawl off the altar. We have to stay. Stay on that altar. And we need to die to self. And then we will be fully alive to God, whether on earth or in heaven. The next subject here is God's will. See, I say they're very short, but they're so powerful. But I wanted to say something else. In St. Francis de Sales' book, um, it is, which actually he didn't write, it's The Spirit of St. Francis de Sales. It's probably my favorite book on him. It's written by, uh, I mentioned this once before, a Bishop Camus, C-A-M-U-S, I believe, um, and um, Belay Camus, I think. It was uh, He was a bishop who lived in the... Uh, Uh, early 1700s, I should say, no, 1600s. St. Francis died in 1622, and so Bishop um, Camus was one of his disciples. He was a bishop when he asked St. Francis de Sales to disciple him and be his spiritual director. It's pretty wonderful. So it's never too late to grow, beloved. And so he wrote this book based on St. Francis's life that he personally witnessed and the counsel that he received from St. Francis de Sales. And his counsel on love is the best I've ever heard. It's the simplest, it's the best, and it's doable. And I'm going to tell you what it is when we come back from the break. So don't go away. And if you'd like our number to call in a little early, uh, it is toll-free to call or text one 877 511 
At the Station of the Cross, we understand the importance of prayer and the celebration of the liturgy. Find out when we air the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Hours, and the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Just visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Programs tab at the top of the page. Here you'll find the link to our programming schedule. That's at thestationofthecross.com. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Margaret of Scotland. O God, who called your servant Margaret to an earthly throne, that she might advance your heavenly kingdom, mercifully grant that we who remember her may be fruitful in good works and attain the glorious crown of your saints. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live and uh, we're going to continue with St. Francis de Sales. And at our second break, we'll begin to take your calls and your texts and your emails. And I promise you that when we come back from the break, I will tell you what St. Francis said about love. The bishop he was discipling, Bishop Camus, uh, asked him, because he watched, I mean, St. Francis de Sales is called the, 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 the gentle doctor. He's the doctor of love. He's certainly a doctor of the church, one of the 33 doctors of the church. Um, and so the bishop said, how do I love? This is a bishop. How? Because he watched St. Francis de Sales and he knew he fell short. He says, how did I, I love? He even drilled a hole in, um, I think, in the roof I think he was above St. Francis de Sales in his room, and he drilled a couple of holes in the ceiling so he could watch him. He could spy on him in the privacy of his own bedroom. And he was astonished because St. Francis de Sales was no different when he was alone uh, than he was when he was with people. The same holy man, the same holy responses, amazing. And so he said, okay, tell me how to love like that. And so Francis said to him, St. Francis de Sales said to him, you love by loving. 
And Bishop Camus said, yes, I know, but, but how do you love? And St. Francis de Sales says, by loving. And he is frustrated now, the bishop said. Yes, you love by loving, but how do you get there? How do you love? How is my question? And St. Francis said, you learn to read by reading, you learn to walk by walking, you learn to love by loving. I tell you, that is the best I've ever heard. It's the way we, we just have to do it. See, we, we fallen human beings depend on our feelings, whether we love, whether we like, what our emotions. But if we want to love, we learn to love by loving. That's it. We learn to love by loving. If someone's cold, you give them your sweater. Someone's hungry, you give them food. Um, if somebody is, is handicapped, you help them. Somebody comes to your house with a terrible personality that you can't stand, you love them. You learn to love by loving the way God loves, not based on who they are, but based on who God is through you. And so... Um, St. Therese of Lisieux had a problem loving one of the sisters in her convent. And she said, Lord, I can't, I can't, I can't love her, but I will love her through you. You see, that's what we can always do. It's a choice. It's a choice of the will. Okay. Now we'll go to God's will. Um, We have our own little spiritual counselor right here. St. Francis says, hold on a moment. Here is the most important point. Find out what God wants, and when you know, try to carry it out cheerfully or at least courageously. Not only that, but you must love. You must love this will of God and the obligations it entails, even if it means performing the most menial tasks in the world the rest of your life. Because whatever source God chooses for us, it should be all the same to us. In this practice lies the very bull's eye of perfection at which we must all aim, and whoever comes nearest to it wins the prize. Be of good heart, he says. I beg you, little by little, train your will to follow God's will. Wherever it may lead you, see that your will is strongly roused when your conscience says, God wants this. Live entirely for God. And since you have to take part in conversations and social gatherings, try to be of some use to others. Do not think that God is further away from you when you are in the midst of busyness to which your vocation calls you. Don't think he's further away then than he would be if you were enjoying a tranquil life. He's always with you the same. No, it is not tranquility which brings him close to our hearts. It is rather the fidelity of our love. It is not the feeling we have of his sweetness, but the consent we give to his holy will. It is more desirable that his will be carried out in us than than that we carry out our will in him. Let me read that sentence again. It is more desirable that his will, that God's will be carried out in us 
than that we carry out our will in him. Once we have reached a decision in a holy manner, we must never doubt about the holiness of carrying it out. Since it does not depend on us, this holiness cannot be lacking. To act otherwise would be a sign of great self-love, or of immaturity, or of a weak or foolish mind. A hundred times a day, let us look upon this loving will of God and dissolving our will into it. Let us devoutly exclaim, O goodness of infinite gentleness, how lovable is your will, how desirable your favors. You have created us for eternal life and your maternal breast, overflowing with incomparable love, shrouds with the milk of mercy, either to pardon penitence or to perfect the righteous. Aren't these gems? Golden counsels, they're called. You can read them over and over and over and over and over again, which uh, I don't know how many years I've had this little book, and I've read it several times. And you know, Just before I left for my novitiate in 2009, I read an article by St. Francis de Sales on the will of God. And um, it took took, um, about three quarters of the way through my novitiate for it to sink into me. And it finally did. And I can tell you honestly that I love God's will, that God's will is my food. I can tell you that. It's a grace he gave me. I don't even have to know what it is. If you say, okay, Mother Miriam, there you are in Tulsa. You're still looking for a home and a, a, a bishop to invite you and uh, to bring your community there and women who have been waiting and what's going on and how come you're not upset? Because I know it's the will of God. How do you know it's the will of God? Because it is. If someone asked Mother Teresa, how do you know God's will? She said, wait to see what happens. That's how you know God's will. Because you see what happens. It's very rare that he speaks through a voice or uh, very something specific that he tells us his will in advance. Because if he did, if we knew his, his will in advance, we'd never grow. We'd never learn to trust. Our faith wouldn't grow deep. So I can truly tell you if you said to me, Mother Miriam, if God gave you your will, what it would be. I can tell you what I imagine that I would like, but I will not dare state it as my will because I I love God's will more than anything I could think of. And I know that his will is perfect and mine is is still tainted with self-love. There's no question about that. If I want a big convent in a new diocese, it's, it's, it, it's the excitement in, of my heart. And I cannot discern how much self-love there is in that. I can't. I know that I want to do these things. But God knows more what he made me for and what he has in mind for this community. So I can truly say to you that if you say, what is it that you want, I say God's will. And if you say, well, if God gave you what you want, Suppose your will was God's will, what would it be? 
I'll say God's will. I don't know what it'll be. How do I know in advance? I have no idea. I want his will no matter what it is. It's my food. It's my safety. Can I not trust a God who gave his life for me? Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at. It's a beautiful, peaceful way to be at. And every time we're close to moving, I'm using this one example, and then we get a no, it, it stings a little bit. We're, we're human. It, it stings. Oh, about 10 seconds. And then I say, no, it's God's no. It's God's will. And if God doesn't want us there, we don't want us there. What God doesn't want, we don't want. It becomes very simple. It really does, because we mean it. We absolutely mean it. It's, it's such a tremendous freedom. It's a tremendous freedom. Uh, St. Augustine says, summed up the entire Christian life by saying, do what you will. No, he didn't. He said, love God and then do what you will. Love God and not do what you want, but do what you will. Love God, because if you love God first, your will will be united with his. You see. Um, And if you don't know what God's will is, don't worry about it. Just live a holy life. Just follow it. Follow the counsel of spiritual directors. Follow the things you know to do. Uh, Remember Mark Twain said, ain't the things I don't know that bother me, it's the things I do know. (laughs) Because we need to be faithful in them. He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And so, it may not be time for God to show you his will. Maybe you want a spouse, and you've been waiting. But maybe God hasn't brought that about because... He needs to prepare you for that spouse and for a life of marriage. He needs to mature you. He needs you to come to the point where you say, if God doesn't want me to be married, then I don't want it either. Because once you can be detached, once you can give your will over to God's will first, then he can do it. Then he can do it. Because otherwise, um, uh, your happiness, your... Um, your peace cannot be dependent on the state of your marriage. You see, usually people that feel a little desperate to meet someone and get married, and then they do, and they're unhappy the rest of their lives because their well-being depends upon the kindness of their husband or the um, uh, issues, the love of their wife, all of that. And it cannot. God has to come first. And when God comes first, then we're not tossed to and fro by someone's lack of love. Um, And it's the only way we can truly love someone else is if we love God first. And then we can love them through God, you see. So there's the music, beloved, for our second break. And um, we will be back after the break. You are welcome. We'll take your calls and emails. Call in with anything that's on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Text at that number or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Margie says, My go-to app. I love this channel. I can listen while busy around the house or driving in the car. I love the variety of programs. Keep up the good work. Michaela from New Zealand says, I love this app. I have it on Bluetooth in my car radio and listen to it all day, every day, and am encouraged in my Catholic faith. I would recommend this to the world, whether Christian or not, because it speaks to all people to become better people. I am now a huge follower of the American Catholic way of life because it's very similar to the way I was brought up in Fiji. The priests on the station are very straightforward, but are very understanding toward the audience at the same time. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. We have a whole half hour to ourselves, and I'd be delighted to hear from you um, with any question you have. I'm not always able to answer every question, but at least we can refer you to those who can. Uh, Our toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a call on the line from Carolyn in Florida. Actually, it looks like she just went off the line. Um, I have a little note here. Carolyn just called in, went off the line. This is an unusual question. She feels like when she is sleeping, someone or something is coming into her apartment. What should she do? Well, um, if you can afford it, Carolyn, you could have cameras installed. Um in inside your house um number one you uh could have a security system um that if anyone um comes in from a door or a window or anything like that that the alarm would go off you could still walk around freely in the house but if anyone came in from the outside uh, the alarm would go off um and uh you could have 
cameras within the house as well. Uh, security systems can set that up for you. And if nothing's going on in that way, you might uh, have a priest come over and exercise your apartment to make sure uh, it might be free of any influences that way. So, and keep a recording on at night if you have a recorder. So, do what you can to try to identify uh, the sounds. Um, and then, um, I would say, as, as a last step, a call a priest in, an, perhaps an exorcist, or any priest could pray prayers of exorcisms um, uh, to see if, if uh, uh, they can help that situation. I, I'm not able to go further than that. It's all I can think of at the moment. Um, uh, I did experience that once, and uh, it, it was demonic warfare. So um, uh, it, it's good for you to check that out, Carolyn. You don't have to. You shouldn't have to live in fear. But also keep in mind that um, if it is spiritual warfare, uh, God is there with you, and He doesn't allow anything. Um, to touch you that he doesn't send for some reason. Okay. We have an email from Ed. Ed says, I have always been curious about scriptures that may talk about the life of Christ that for whatever reason were not included in the Catholic Bible. I have heard about books like the Gospels of James and Thomas and also some epistles that were not included in the New Testament. I was I was wondering if these books were available and whether it is okay to read them as long as we are aware of their status in the church. I don't see a problem reading them if you're a strong Catholic, if you're a strong Christian, um, because there'll always be a reason why they were not included in the canon. And if you don't know your faith strongly enough, you may not be able to discern that. Um, I, I, so uh, let's see now. Um, I don't know where they're published. I, I had a book myself of, of the books that were uh, not allowed in the canon. I don't know where it is. So you might give Catholic Answers a call, catholic.com, and speak to one of their apologists. And if you wanted to get a hold of that, you probably could. Okay. We have a text come in from Scott. Scott says, I'm trying to discern... Whether I may have a calling to the priesthood, I was wondering what your thought process was in deciding whether you would be a diocesan priest or join a religious order. Well, you know, um, I don't think you'll have too much of a uh, difficulty deciding that because if God is leading you to be a priest, God, he will lead you to where he wants you uh, based on how he's made you, your gifts, um, how he would use you. And so you will be either drawn to be a diocesan priest or drawn to a religious order. And so what I would do is um, the best thing to decide if things are unclear to you is is just to visit. Visit religious orders, visit monasteries of men strong that are are cloistered, visit uh, active... uh, you know, you could you could visit a religious order such as uh, uh, the monks of Silverstream Priory in Ireland. They are cloistered. They are Benedictine. They live a very very faithful life. Um, you could visit an active order such as the Friars of the Renewal that Father Groeschel began. 
um, and uh, they they go out to the poor. They live on mattresses. They sleep in the streets very often, and and they're very very wonderful and effective, and yet have a very good prayer life. Or again, you could um, uh, speak to diocesan priests and 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 see what their their life is like, and let them lead you. And the spirit of God in you will lead you, Scott. I think. Um, I think you don't need, I think you could put aside being concerned with whether you should be a diocesan or a religious priest in order to discern the priesthood. I think maybe it would be best for you to just follow that one step at a time and um, uh, study for the priesthood. And along the way, I think God will lead you. All right, I think that's probably the way to do it, but I would trust the counsel of a, a priest more than my counsel on that one. Um, we have a text from Michelle. She said, I recently heard from the term synopt- synoptic gospels. What does that mean? It's a name for um, uh, the three gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, they are um, synoptic. They they kind of sum up the life of Christ, they're very similar. They contain um, very, they're not the same. They're written by three different um, um, men at three different times um, uh, with different educations and and to different audiences. Um, uh, Matthew shows most the Jewish background of Christ, that he's truly the Messiah. Uh, Mark um uh how do I say with Mark, I forget exactly his I think he wrote straight to the Romans and it's a very um uh it's the shortest gospel. And then uh, Luke wrote to show our Lord's humanity most of all. And it's known as Mary's Gospel because of uh, all the um, the mysteries of the rosary and the Gloria and many things are in Luke that aren't in the other three, but they contain much the same information. The Gospel of John is separate. It really shows, it was written much, much later, and it shows the deity of Christ, and much of what's in the Gospel of John is not in the other Gospels. So that is the three Gospels, um, synoptic, they're together, um, that they um, uh, portray the same record of the life of Christ, but in different ways, and they contain different information. But again, if you if you haven't read John, you've missed a lot. I hope that helps in some way. We have an email from Teresa who says, Hello, the past two times I have gone to confession to different priests and different parishes. I have been instructed to get a spiritual director. How do I go about doing this? I almost feel like the priests are mistaken. Ooh, two different priests in different parishes. I almost feel like the priests are mistaken. I'm a Catholic in good standing except for the regular sins I commit. I know better than to ignore a direct instruction given in confession, but I'm not even sure what's what spiritual direction is, please guide me. Thank you for your time and ministry. I would trust those priests, uh, Teresa. I would. If you say I'm a Catholic in good standing, except for the regular sins I commit, 
the reason to have a spiritual director is to help you to not commit those regular sins. We're not supposed to go through life committing regular sins. Um, uh, we're supposed to be sin-free. Now, that's not a, an easy thing with our fallenness, but um, the, the the idea is to overcome those sins so we don't keep confess. You say, except for the regular sins I commit. So if they're regular and you are always committing them, then I would say uh, the priest is suggesting you get a spiritual director to help you grow in your in your Catholic life, uh, to help you overcome those things, and it will free you. So uh, a spiritual direction comes from, let's say, a holy priest would be very good, um, who can get to know you and begin to direct you and advise you. On, on what to do, how to overcome things, and maybe uh, uh, help you to live a holier life. He can give you counsel, certain books to read, certain exercises to read, certain things to forbid, you know, all of that. Maybe there's no fasting in your life, and he would help you to fast and to live a holy life. So I would absolutely trust those priests. Um, they're not mistaken. Um and um, uh, I don't know you, but uh, again, if you're not sure what spiritual director I- direction is, I would trust those priests. Uh, it actually would be a tremendous gift to you to have a spiritual director. Pope Benedict XVI wrote in one of his books, every one of us uh, would do well to have a spiritual director. It's, it's a tremendous gift. And so I would look for a holy, holy priest and meet with him and... Um, uh, meet with one or two priests uh, and and see if you would wish one to be your spiritual director and then and then ask him to do that in the interim uh, Fa- Father Thomas Dubay, who's no longer alive, but he wrote a magnificent book called Spiritual Direction. It tells you what spiritual direction is, it tells you how to find a spiritual director, and it tells you uh, what to do in the interim. So I hope that helps Teresa. <clears throat> we have an email from Naquia. I know I'm not pronouncing the name right. I'm sorry. It's N-A-Q-U-I-Y-A-H. Naquia. I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Who says, I came across your YouTube channel today because I searched for the topic, what to do when your children hate you, for doing what you think is best for them. Oh my goodness. What to do when your children hate you for doing what you think is best for them. She says, I am she or, or he, I'm not sure. I guess it's, I'm thinking of she. I am not a Catholic, but I am a Christian whose heart is filled with love of Jesus. And I have tried to raise my two sons in a Christian home and raise them biblically with God's grace. Um, hold on one moment here. Hold on one moment. Oh dear, this is, um, okay, one second. Let me just go back here. My husband, my ex-husband, their father, divorced me 13 years ago, and since he is dad and I am mom, they're very impacted by his male influence and sort of shut me out. Oh, that's not a good situation. Mainly because I want them 
to live right, and he takes a rather loose approach to his parenting and has also drawn a wedge between us when it comes to almost alienating me from them in a lot of ways by parenting very differently and making them think that I don't care about them as much. This is a very, very rough situation. Um, and there's the music for our, our last break, beloved. Um, you can uh, use this break if you wish to call in with anything that's on your heart toll-free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com, And we'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community, connect with us through social media, and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved um, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm in the middle of a very long and very um, heartbreaking email here. Um, I'm, I'm hesitating reading it 
um, because it's lengthy, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, I, I went through most of it at the break to see if I could sum it up. But, you know, I think I'm going to read it because there are so many parents in this very awful, desperate situation. So I will read it. If you if you wish to call in, I will still take your call. No issue at all. Um, uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. I'm going to read this right through from the beginning. It's it's a bit lengthy, but uh, you you probably know people in this situation or will come across them, um, and you know our heart here is to help restore the family in God's design and to help parents to parent and this is an an awful I hate to say a bit typical it's terrible but I have known so many situations like this and um, Nikoya says um, um, she said I'm not a Catholic I'm a Christian whose heart is filled with the love of Jesus and I've tried to raise my two sons in a Christian home, raise them biblically with God's grace. I'll read it a bit fast so we can shorten it that way a little. My ex-husband, their father, divorced me 13 years ago. And since he is dad and I am mom, they are very impacted by his male influence and sort of shut me out, mainly because I want them to live right. And he takes a rather loose approach to his parenting and has also drawn a wedge between us when it comes to almost alienating me from them in a lot of ways by parenting very differently and making them think that I don't care about them as much. Years ago, when my youngest son was going to 8th grade, so how old would 8th grade be? Um, 13 or 14, something like that. And my oldest son was coming out of his freshman year in high school Um, I discovered that basically they were living double lives outside of my house. I had raised them trying to keep them from being exposed to all sorts of nonsense, not to say I kept them heavily sheltered and could not do anything, but certain things I just did not and do not condone or promote or allow to get unchecked. I found out that their dad was letting them get away with plenty and also making it seem like my rules and my ways of doing things were unreasonable or too controlling or what have you. And this drew a wedge between me and my sons and their perception of me and even their need to respect me as their mother. This is absolutely, I I call it a tragic, not uh, not hopeless, but tragic situation uh, to destroy boys like this. Uh, which their father is doing. What a shame. And I, and again, I've, I've spoken to so many families where this is the case. And she writes, he acts more like a friend to them. And while I'm friendly with them, I let them know my job is not to be their friend, but to raise them in the way they should go in the ways that God leads me to raise them. <clears throat> I found out by accident about some things they were doing. Um... Uh, let me just go through this by summing it up and saying that their dad purchased all kinds of things for them. They were looking at um, immoral things, uh, talking about immoral behavior plans that they would do outside of school in the summer, um, goals to go out and have promiscuous 
sex during the summer, being vulgar, explicit on social media posts, sexting, pornographic videos, so forth. It's really, it's just so awful, so grievous. And she says, I saw the trajectory of their behaviors, and knowing the potential that things would probably get worse, I made an executive decision as a mother to remove them from public school um, and place them in private school at the church we attend. Beloved, um, I'll say it again and again and again and again. You can be uh, the best family in the world, not divorced and all of that. Get your kids out of public school. Get your children out of public school. If you turn them over to the public schools, you are destroying, you are making a decision to destroy your children because the public schools will, and you have put them in the position of being destroyed. I I can't say it more strongly than that. Um, Okay. Um... They, of course, did not like my decision and got in alignment with Dad to take me to court, oh, help, so that he could sue me for full custody, so that they could be free to do what they pleased, but also they could live with him full-time and be able to go back to their old schools. Um, After hearing evidence at the custody hearing trial, the judge appointed me, the mother, as being the one to have exclusive rights to educational decisions, and ordered them to stay at the school, the private school they were attending, unless I made a decision to withdraw them. Well, that is the way a judge should be, but that's becoming more rare today. Bless God for that judge. They have been there three years now, and they say they hate it, which I know is primarily because they want to be back at the public school with their friends doing what they want, but they act like they're miserable, which I know is primarily because they have grown distant from God and having so much of the world influence, not to mention their dad instigating how unfair it is that I moved them from their school away from their friends. Their dad is a child. He He is no more mature than they are. They push and push every day. My oldest son, who is a senior now, is even trying to withdraw himself from the school since he just turned 18, with three months left until he graduates, just so he can graduate with friends like he thinks he's supposed to do. It's absurd to me, which is the reason why I'm the parent and he is the child, mature versus immature. Um, Oh, my goodness. Um, here's the last paragraph. Let me read it quickly and then see if I can uh, give you any thoughts to help here. I'm struggling because I know in my heart that the decision I made to move them was done with their best interest in mind. I did what I thought was best for them by putting them in a place where they're being taught the word every day and they're not surrounded by everything in public school and so forth. When I began to see these things, um, And being a teacher in public school myself, I confronted their dad with my concerns and his thoughts. Um, uh, uh, It goes on. Let me see if I can get to her question. Had I not been a single mother, could have afforded to homeschool, I would have done that. I know I would have received back on that as well, pushed back on that as well. Their attitudes were bad before the school switch, and they were even worse now that they tell me they would 
wouldn't treat me like they treat me if I move them back. Um, okay. Um, she said, I really don't know what to ask you, Mother Miriam, uh, just for your advice and wisdom. We have 10 seconds to our closing music. I can continue with this tomorrow. I'll sum it up tomorrow morning and give you a fuller answer. But right now, dear Mother, you need to find a way to be absolutely strict with them. They, you need to lay down the law and you need to tell them that they may not push on this, they may not speak disrespectfully to you, they need to maintain certain grades, and you need to lay out the consequences for that. Um, and you need to be very clear about it. They must not treat you with disrespect. And if they do, um, they can't use their cell phones, they can't go with friends, you have to restrict them. You have to get it through to them that they have choices in life to make, and they must. Um, I wish they could just leave and go with their dad, but yes, that'll destroy them even more. 